All right, good morning again. Um, we're starting a brand new series called Satisfaction. And when the Rolling Stones made that song back in the 70s, I mean, every song is written from a place of the heart, right? Um, and, and when they wrote this song back in the 70s, I mean, they were the top of the world, right? Everybody, every, every guy probably wanted to be one of the Rolling Stones, you know? You're like, man, that would be an awesome awesome lifestyle. I know, PA, I know, yeah, I know that would be you, right? And so when they are singing, I can't get no satisfaction, but I try, but I try, but I try, but I try. It's like, wait a minute. You've got everything anybody would ever want and hope for and chase after. What do you mean you can't get no satisfaction? Leaving the English part of that aside, uh, I can't get no satisfaction. But the thing is, the thing is, is that there's nothing new under the sun, right? Way back 3,000 years ago, a guy by the name of Solomon wrote that song. Uh, Not in those words, exactly. But he wrote a book called Ecclesiastes. Today, really, we would consider it a blog. His, 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 His thoughts that he is almost barely pieced together through this book about life. As an older man, King Solomon looked back on his life and everything that he tried to get satisfaction from, and then he wrote down what he learned from that. And over the course of the next eight weeks, we're going to be taking a look at everything that he tried to find satisfaction in, but couldn't. This week, we're going to start off with the vanity of wisdom and foolishness. The vanity of wisdom and foolishness. Uh, today, we, we live in information overload. What is this right here? What is this? What is this? What is, what, what is this thing? It's a smartphone. It's an iPhone, right? It is what is melting our brains. All right? Not in a conspiracy theory, uh, everybody's going to get brain cancer because we're talking on phone sort of way. But, but in, really, in somewhat of a literal way. Now, did some research over the course of this past week. Email. Email. When we go check our email, our brain produces cortisol, which is our stress hormone. Like, just checking email, we stress out. All right? But, but, but what ends up happening is what they call the lottery brain. The lottery brain. The same, the same thing that causes us to go play the lottery or play roulette, is the, the, that part of the brain is the same part of the brain that causes us to go check our email. Why is that? Because we might hit the jackpot with that one email, right? Now, I'm not talking about the king of Nigeria emailing you, you know, the $18 million if you just, you know, give the bank account, that blah, blah, blah. But... The e- that email, that email we've been waiting for, that email we've been hoping for, that email that's going to come, right? Like, like, it might be in there. That's what we're hoping for. No, my lottery is game assignments. There are different seasons of, of, of the year that I get more game assignments. And guess what I do during those seasons? Check my email more. Why? I might just hit the lottery with the game assignment. Also, another interesting fact. Email's making us dumber. When you check email, your IQ is 10 points less. By the way, when you're smoking pot, your IQ is 
half of that less. Uh, what, it, th- that wasn't supposed to get an amen, Scott. That wasn't, that wasn't supposed to get an amen. So, I mean, one could say email's making us dumber than pot, all right? So, Jack, you in here? That, that's probably something you could clip out. Um, what about Facebook? What about Facebook? Facebook, what happens to our brains when we get on Facebook is the same thing, the same thing that happens to a cocaine addict's brain when they're taking cocaine. Facebook is like crack cocaine for adults, you know, you know, us normal adults, right? The only difference is, the only difference is, is that with Facebook, uh, uh, it, 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 it ignites, it ignites our impulsive, impulsiveness part of our brain. Same thing as crack cocaine. But crack cocaine also uh, takes away the part of the brain that stops impulsiveness. Okay? Facebook doesn't. It ignites the impulsive part of our brain. Ever, ever, you know, parents, ever been on Facebook and then snap at your kids because they're doing something? Because Facebook's igniting the impulsiveness. Essentially what you're saying is, leave me alone, kids, I'm on Facebook. Right? Right? That's essentially what we're saying. But, 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 the Facebook, Facebook doesn't, doesn't take away that part of the brain that would overcome the impulsiveness, but we have no felt consequence with Facebook. So therefore, what do we do? You get on there to message somebody, and 60 minutes later, you're like, what am I doing? Right? Anybody? 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 Anybody been there? Just me? Okay, thank you. That's, what, that's, what, that's what's happening to our brains. When we're on this stuff. Now, this isn't a sermon about, you know, do away with Facebook, etc. This is setting up something about what Solomon wrote 3,000 years ago. And see if, as we read through this, if some of the stuff he talked about 3,000 years ago is what we are experiencing today with all of this information that we are taking in at a rapid rate. The last five or ten years, we've produced more information than we did in the whole history of the world before that. That's amazing, right? It's amazing. Starting in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, you can uh, follow along in the Bible app. We put an event in there. By the way, um, uh, with this series, I'm starting to put the uh, Bible study guide or the, 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 the extra guide with some extra verses and stuff in the Bible app, the event and so the only way you can go back and, and view this material later is to actually get in the Bible app and save it. Click save at the top of the event um, when, you, uh, when you, like I preach now from it, and there's a little save right there. So um, you can save it and then go back and view the, the content later. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 12. I, the teacher, was king of Israel and lived in Jerusalem. I devoted myself to search for understanding and explore by wisdom everything being done under heaven. Now, Solomon, those of you who have been around church, you know the, 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 the story of Solomon. He, he, he was uh, uh, da- King David, passed down the throne to Solomon. He became king. Solomon became king. He was overwhelmed. He was a young guy. He was overwhelmed. And he was one day praying to God, I am not good enough to do this. And God showed up. One thing you want. This is the only time God's ever done this in the, in, in, in the Bible. One thing you want, I'll do it for you. Kind of the genie in the bottle type of thing, right? One thing I want, I'll do it for you. And, and, and Solomon said, I don't have enough wisdom to run this country. 
please give me wisdom. God said, I'm going to give you wisdom, but I'm going to give you everything else that you didn't ask for as well. But even though he received a godly gift of wisdom, he made wisdom his obsession. I soon discovered that God has dealt a tragic existence to the human race. Now, Ecclesiastes is dark. (laughs) It has a tendency to be dark. It has a tendency to be like blogs and Facebook today. Like he just puts it out there. And a lot of times, a lot of times, like, like you know, with music, there's a resolution chord. Like, it, uh, like to end a song, you go back to the resolution chord and everybody's ears are like, yeah, now it ends. But if you, if you end the song with a minor or non-resolution chord, you're like, wait a minute, it's supposed to keep going. Solomon does this all throughout Ecclesiastes. You're like, you're supposed to resolve this. And he just ends. And he goes to the next point. And you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, time out. Like, tie up this loose end here. I observed everything going on under the sun, and really it is all meaningless, like chasing the wind. He, he like, has this superpower of being able to pick out wisdom. And, like, like a lot of guys' superpower is a blessing and a curse, right? It's a curse, like uh, the ability to read minds. It's a blessing, but it's also a curse that, that you can like read everybody's minds at one time and it's an overload. And he's like, I can see everything and it's an overload. Man, <laughs> Facebook, right? You feel like you can see everything under the sun. And you're like, it, it's all meaningless. What is wrong cannot be made right. What is missing cannot be recovered. He's like, what's happened? All the wrongs in our earth can't be made right. We try, right? Our culture wants to blame somebody for everything. A catastrophic storm comes. A once-in-a-lifetime storm comes and the levee gets blown up because of it. We want to blame somebody for it. Crocodile attack happens. We want to blame somebody for it. A mass shooting happens. We want to blame somebody for it. And what does that produce? So I set out to learn everything from wisdom to madness and folly. But I learned firsthand that pursuing all this is like chasing the wind. The greater my wisdom, the greater my grief. To increase knowledge only increases sorrow. When we obsess about something, when we have something that we cannot put in a box and we want to solve it and we want to blame somebody and we want to come to the bottom of it and we pursue it and pursue it and pursue it and pursue it, all it's doing is leading us to sorrow. Not the good kind of sorrow, the good kind of grief of weeping with those who weep, but the bad kind of sorrow. That we are devastated that there is no good answer to this. And it... And and, and it causes us, and it causes us to have a blurred outlook on life. And Solomon is saying this 3,000 years ago. So therefore, when we see a headline come across on Facebook, we go to our pet world view, find somebody that agrees with that, and goes and shares that because we are sorrowed in our heart over it. But as we continue to pursue this wisdom, this information, this overload, it's not going to end in sorrow. Why does wisdom cause sorrow? Because it keeps going. 
We're going to keep going. We're not going to end in sorrow. He keeps going. In Ecclesiastes 2, Solomon says this, So I decided to compare wisdom with foolishness and madness. For who can do this better than I, the king? I thought wisdom is better than foolishness, just as light is better than darkness. For the wise can see where they are going, but fools walk in the dark. When, we, when it is dark and we have a flashlight, Wisdom is like that flashlight in the dark. It is light. It helps us see where we're going. You can't see this light right now, really, because it's light in here. But if we turned off all the lights, like when I took this away from Noah and we were worshiping, when, when he was like trying to spotlight people with it, you could see the light. But yet, I saw that the wise and the foolish share the same fate. Both will die. Thanks, Solomon. Appreciate it. He's like, wisdom's good, but we're all going to die. Morons, geniuses, we're all going to die. So I said to myself, since I will end up the same as the fool, what's the value of all my wisdom? This, all, this is all so meaningless. To that, every teenager and student said, amen, right? You're like, See, parents, the Bible tells me school is dumb. Hold on, hold on. But, biblical orthodoxy, biblical normalness is actually holding two seemingly opposite tensions in the middle where we feel pulled to both sides. Right? And if we go from one side to the other, like if we, if we believe it's all wisdom, all foolishness, we're, we're falling off a cliff. For the wise and the foolish both die. The wise will not be remembered any longer than the fool, and the days to come both will be forgotten. Do you know the names of your great-great-grandparents? And if you know the names of your great-great-grandparents four generations away from you, if you know the names, do you know if they were a fool or if they were wise? Okay, let's go back one. If you know that, then let's go back one more generation. Do you know that? That's what Solomon's saying. We're all going to die, and we're all going to be forgotten. <laughs> Welcome to church. Go home, right? Like, glad I went to church this morning. Yay, so happy. So I came to hate life. If we keep pursuing this, if we keep pursuing this wisdom, this information, our pet thing, sorrow isn't the only thing that's going to happen. You're going to come to hate life. I will not. It's kind of proved my point, but we'll go with that. When you find your pet view undergirded in Facebook or society or the news or whatever, what do you do with that? Do you post it to rub it in the face of the somebody that doesn't believe the same way you are? You're hating life. I am not. Again, you've kind of proven my point, but... You're hating other people. I am not. Still helping me out here, but we don't post our view to get somebody to see our side, do we? We post our view in order to rub it in the face of somebody else. And it's exposing our heart that we're hating life. Why? Information overload. You're obsessed over something. 
You're obsessed about gaining wisdom and information about your pet view. And it's leading you not just to sorrow, but to hate life. Solomon figured this out 3,000 years ago. The Rolling Stones sang about it roughly 40 years ago. And all we've done, all we've done, is push that rock down the hill at an alarmingly increasing rate. So what do we do about this? What do we do about this? First of all, first of all, pursue wisdom without losing your mind. Seek wisdom without losing your mind. If you're obsessed about a pet topic, you might want to take a break. You've lost your mind. Seek wisdom without losing your mind. Students, education is worthy. We're not t- talking about wisdom from the standpoint of, of gaining uh, uh, knowledge. However, we can pursue wisdom and education and lose our mind too because we have come out of centuries of living in the Enlightenment, basically that says uh, all I have to do is get more education and I will be better. In fact, more knowledge will bring about our salvation. What's that doing for us? Well, really nothing because we're not saved by information. We're not saved by knowledge. This has come into the church as well. All I need to do is take one more Bible study. I haven't studied this book. I haven't done this, blah, blah, blah. That's Gnosticism um, from the old, you know, old times, you know, New Testament uh, heresy type things. That's Gnosticism. You cannot find salvation through knowing more. You find salvation through Jesus. Seek wisdom without losing your mind. We lose our mind when we are obsessed about finding out information. We do that about crocodiles, gorillas, uh, mass shootings, uh, uh, anything that comes across. Secondly, what's the solution? Seek foolishness without losing your purpose. Now, on the opposite end of the spectrum, see, we're talking about two tensions. On one end of the spectrum is, is obsession about information. The other end of the spectrum, which we're kind of seeing in, in, in droves today, is I so not want to do that. All I do is stay in my basement and play video games all day long. See, that's seeking foolishness and losing your purpose. Look, go watch Dumb and Dumber. Sometimes we just got to turn our minds off. When's the last time you heard a pastor say that, right? Sometimes we just got to turn our minds off. But we can seek foolishness to a point that we lose our purpose. That's what Solomon is saying, that wisdom brings light. And foolishness brings darkness. We're groping around in the dark looking for a purpose, but all our only purpose is playing video games. And it's going to leave us dark. Parents, what happens when you walk through the house in the dark? There's landmines of Legos, right? Forget, like, you know, cops, like, put out those, those, those street tacks to stop a... All they need to do is, like, put out Legos, because as soon as you step on a Lego, your foot is like, it's like a machete was taken to your foot. Like what is a Lego? But anyway, I digress. And that's what happens when this is, this is our only purpose in life is seeking foolishness. And so, and so at the end of the day, at the end of the day, what we want to do is keep these two tensions, like seek wisdom, 
But we've got to turn our minds off at some point in time. We've got to turn our minds off sometimes, right? So what does this look, look like? Proper wisdom, proper wisdom is stronger than force. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, Solomon either tells us a, 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 a story or a parable here, but it makes sense. Here is another bit of wisdom that has impressed me as I have watched the way our world works. There was a small town with only a few people, and a great king came with his army and besieged it. A poor wise man knew how to save the town, and so it was rescued. But afterward, no one thought to thank him. So even though wisdom is better than strength, those who are wise will be despised if they are poor. What they say will not be appreciated for long. Better to hear the quiet words of a wise person than the shouts of a foolish king. Better to have wisdom than the weapons of war, but one sinner can destroy much that is good. There's a small town, and a big, massive army came to take over the town and, and, and did the siege thing from ancient history to shut down all imports and exports, basically starve them to death. There's, there's the king or the mayor or whatever of that town walking along the road one day, and um, uh, uh, an old man is sitting on the porch at Cracker Barrel playing checkers. And he says, hey, son, 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 come over here, come over here, come over here. I got something for you. And he leans up in the king's or the mayor's ear and says, hey, if you did this, and then you do this, and then this will happen, and they will do, and you will do, and the king's eyes starting to get bigger and bigger and bigger, and he's like, that's exactly right. And he goes and does it, and boom, they defeat the large army. Now Solomon say there's an injustice in this because he's a poor man, and so nobody's going to go thank him, but his wisdom is stronger than that mighty, for, that mighty army. Here's what this means for today. We have bully tactics today. If you don't believe the way I believe, you're not a real Christian. If you don't think the way I think, you're not a real American. If you blank, you are not a real blank. That's bully tactics. That's force. That's not wisdom. That's foolishness. Proper wisdom, the one that holds both in equal tensions, is stronger than the bully tactics. Stronger than the force. Not the Star Wars force. I know, I, I know I've got to, when I say the force, I've got to clarify that in this church. Not Star Wars. I'm not talking about Star Wars. This is an illustration about Star Wars. Force, like might. Let me, let me let's, let's, let's go real easy here. One that's played out right now. And every two weeks it gets renewed. Gun control. One side, you got bully tactics. If you don't believe the way I believe, you're not a real American. If you don't believe the way I believe, you don't believe the Jesus of peace. Anybody hear these arguments? Bully tactics. What does the Bible say? Ever thought about starting there? says we can defend ourselves armies can be built shoot solomon even said for every season turn 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 right 
Jesus also said, put away your sword. So which is it? Holding two tensions in equal. Proper wisdom is stronger than force. See, it'll do two things to both sides. You will confuse both sides and anger both sides. That's what will happen. And they'll lose their minds. But you're holding proper wisdom in equal tension. That's wisdom. That allows us to keep our minds. Now this series isn't going to be very spiritual. There's not going to be those camp moments here in this series. It's, it's a wisdom series. It's going to be practical. This is practical. If you're obsessed with something, you might need to put away Facebook for a while or whatever, whatever enlights that obsession. You might need to see what you're posting, what you're talking about. Do you find yourself demanding people be like you? It's bully tactics. Maybe you need to sit down with somebody that believes opposite of you and listen. That's wisdom. That's empathy. See, when we begin to hate life, we lose the ability to empathize with people, to see where they're coming from, to walk a mile in their shoes. That's holding two tensions in equal balance. That's what Jesus did. There's no easy answers to this. When we think that there should be and that there are easy answers. There's no easy answers. Because it's holding two opposite tensions in the middle. And so as we move forward, as we go about our days... Pursue the Jesus who is wise. Pursue wisdom that is built on Jesus. Not built on our favorite website. Built on Jesus. And that is a strength that He has promised that will stand the test of time. There's verses in our study guide that show us this. Do we want to be swayed by every little whim? Or do we want to pursue wisdom built on Jesus? That's the question. As we have a time of reflection, be in prayer that you're asking Jesus, I want to pursue your wisdom. How do I do that? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you that you've given us your, your word. Good grief. 3,000 years ago, Solomon is talking about something that we are dealing with right here, right now, today. I just pray, Lord, that you will guide us. That we can find a wisdom that's stronger than anything we will face. Because we're pursuing you. And your wisdom. And that it's hard. It's hard. We... We'll never come to a resolution on things. We'll internally battle about where to be. 
but let us have empathy. Because we can see people. It's who you've created them, created them to be. It's your name that I pray. Amen. Go ahead and stand and reflect on the wisdom of Jesus.